A hippie speedball is coffee and cannabis. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Hippie Speedball Podcast. Glad to be slipping back up in your guys' eardrums. If you are listening on Spotify, why don't you hit that follow button? If you're listening on Apple, go to them stars, go one, two, three, four, five, and then make sure you hit that fifth star and leave a little review and let me know what you think of the show. So today I got a really awesome special special guest, a friend of mine that I met through Instagram, and we tried to record an episode a long time ago, but then a lot of time has passed. So we're like, you know what? Fuck it, let's just do it again. And so uh, he's been making big waves in the edible games and he's been all over the place on freaking instagram that i've seen traveling all over doing his shit making amazing goodies so please welcome chef michael to the hippie speedball podcast michael it's really good to fucking see you bro Thank you, man. Likewise, nice, nice to catch up with you again. Yes, most definitely, man. Most definitely. And so, uh, so give the people a little introduction to uh, like what you do and uh, what it is that you're kind of hoping to achieve right now in cannabis and what what you're what you're up to right now. Well, I've always been a, a cannabis consumer as far as smokable and flour. Um, once Colorado kind of came online, I think my background as a pastry chef um allowed me to venture into that world of infused edibles and teaching people uh, how to make an edible based on their you know requirements so now lately past 14 months or so have been just traveling around kind of like you mentioned the intro intro teaching people how to make edibles based on um, the conversation we have in the initial um, phone consultation. Hell yeah, man. You're like a munchy nomad. That's freaking dope, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, a lot of people, um, you know, maybe growers, they got to grow up and going. They got a couple of dispensaries. You know, now they want to make edibles in-house. Mm. Or, you know, they were making, they were melting Albanese gummies and now that's kind of a no-no, you know what I mean? They're Albanese pushing back and not having the availability of that product. So some of my clients have been people who used to do that technique, didn't even know how to make a gummy. They just, you know, melted that product and infused it and go from there. So it, it's been a, um, it's been a, it's been a vast group of um, levels of involvement. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. I bet you're building a nice little community while you're traveling around and meeting all these different people and stuff. I mean, I saw that you were at MJ BizCon. I'm sure that was a networking opportunity for the for the ages. And so I can't wait to get get we'll get into that a little bit later. I wanted to uh, kind of get started from the beginning. Basically, I wanted to start from your time as a pastry chef and talk about how did you get into becoming a pastry chef? How did how did those what was the genesis of that? And how did you transition that? into cannabis like what was it that made you decide to do that i became a pastry i've I've been cooking since i've been eight hey Um, me too about seven or eight years old myself as well and i thought i wanted to go to school for cuisine but when i took the tour a lady said that the industry would be needing pastry chefs not so much cuisine chefs and I kind of liked that. I was more in tune to the art and to the pastry and that kind of thing of it. And I was already working in a, a nice big German Swiss bakery in Cincinnati, Ohio. So that's how I became a pastry chef and how it transitioned to the cannabis industry is when I was a faculty member teaching baking and pastry arts at a culinary school, a student's mother, and this is my why, as I tell everybody, um, she had breast cancer. And she asked me how I could make edibles. 
Mm. Completely caught me off guard. I was like, wow, right. And that was in 2004. Mm. So really, I've been messing with edibles since like 2004, which everybody knows back then it was just the old school butter. Mm-hmm. And, you know, draining it and chlorophyll and, and you know, and remnants of marijuana pieces and stuff like that. And what have you. There was no magical butter back then. There was none of this stuff, you know, we have now. This is nearly 17, 15, 17 years ago. Oh, shit. That's crazy. So you've been freaking in the game, making all these different evolutions and waves and stuff like that. So, so how did, how would you like, so if you were to break down just kind of like a really simple way to explain to people how to make a cannabis concentrate edible, how, how would you do it? And how would you gauge how strong it is? So let's say you wanted to make it a certain, uh, milligrams. So how would you determine exactly how much product to put in there? Uh, one gram equals a thousand milligrams and depending on what you want to use, if somebody goes and say they buy a syringe of one gram and it's 90%, that's an easy way for anybody to take that, put that in their butter, mix that into their fat, which is, Mm. you know, helping emulsify, right? Okay. And you is that, and then you would know. So if you had that one gram, say that syringe, that's 900 milligrams. If your the Toll House cookie recipe made 25 cookies, you would divide 25 by 900, and then oh. that's your milligram. Okay, okay. Well, I don't know okay. for some reason. And, and, and then, then it, it gets a little bit, it doesn't get more complicated. It's just more math, like if you're doing old school butter. You know, flour is, you know, 15 to 25%. Now... The same rule applies. Mm. If I have a gram, if I have a gram of weed at twenty percent, I really only got two hundred milligrams. And people will argue, are you really getting all that milligrams when you do it the old school way? And you know, decarboxylating, you know, putting it in the fat and then pressing it through the sieve, you know, or trying not to or straining it up. You know what I mean? Mm, okay, okay. When it comes to making butter, is there a difference in between making using salted butter and unsalted butter? Most time when you bake, you don't really use salted butter. Most chefs don't use salted butter because they'll season to taste. Yeah. So you wouldn't use like a salted butter. Um, so no, most people will use the ghee and tell you to use that or coconut oil, and everybody has their their way to do it. Whether it's a four hour, or six hour, and whether it's two thirty or two fifty, two forty five for twenty minutes or thirty minutes at t- decarboxylating. Leafly's got a lot of great information on that, but okay. everybody's got their own way when it comes to that old school stuff. Okay, nice. So one of the things I always thought about making with a weed butter that I thought would be really delicious is to make like a um, to make like a uh, Alfredo sauce. Would that be possible to, with a cannabis butter? Like to be able to use like make like a cannabis Alfredo. Yeah, this is what I always tell a couple of chefs who wanted to get into it. If you're using, like, say, a magic butter machine that's got that tray of like the four butter sticks, oh, and then yeah. you can, yeah, and you just you just figure it out like that, man. Just like anything, then you just break down your recipe. So, say you put an ounce of cannabis in there. Say it's twenty percent. If a gram is twenty percent, that's two hundred milligrams. Now I've got. 28 grams in an ounce that means i have 5600 milligrams damn in an ounce so now if i made four sticks of butter divide that by four that's 1400 a stick and a half stick is 700 a quarter stick is 350 gotcha. but if i'm putting you know what i mean 
Okay. Okay. This is this is amazing because there's going to be a lot of people that are really really going to be able to use this information because as it's, it's really simple. Once I t- once I show, tell you to once, I apologize. I'm cut you off. Once no, okay. I do it to you once, a light will go off in your head. You're like, oh yeah, it's just basic math, man. Yeah, for real, for <laughs> real. That's exactly what happened. I wish I had like a cue and I could turn this light on behind me, so it's just like bing. It's just right, like all of a not, sudden. I'm not. I'm not teaching you how to, you know, go to the moon with, with, with you know, with, with Jeff Bezos or anything like that, bro. I don't think I'd be interested in stepping in the cock rocket anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. right, right. I, I don't know. Jeff Bezos seems like a. When you look at him, he looks like a James Bond villain. You know, like he he looks like he would be a fucking Bond villain. Even the way he dresses, he has like those weird shirts and coats that he wears and stuff like that. He He, wears leather and everything like that. Yeah, he looks like he just stepped off a fucking spaceship. (laughs) Everybody says that the cockship is very phallic looking, you know, whatever. It definitely is. It definitely is for sure. Well, a lot of people are going to really, uh, you know, that that info for edibles is going to really come in handy because, as I was going to say, as cannabis becomes more and more legalized uh, in more places and stuff like that, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want to make their own edibles, especially with certain prices of like flour. Like there's places here you can get a really good ounce of weed between 40 and 60 bucks. Here in Oregon, yeah, that's fucking crazy to me, man. I, I tell people that, and they're like, "What?" I'm like, hey, you know, you ate in Oregon for like eight dollars. Like, what? I'm like, yeah, because it's like super saturated, bro. Yeah, like, no, no, so. Well, and Oregon is sitting on so much fucking pot. Like, it's because the right. and then for those that don't know why, it's because the um, Oregon cannabis market is controlled by the uh, OLCC, which is the Oregon Liquor Control Commission. And they're the ones that are kind of responsible for all of the wreck and for all of that sort of stuff. And they kind of regulate all the taxing and all the division of all the money and everything like that. And uh, what they did is it was basically just like giant open market forever. Like they just they weren't putting any sort of caps on licenses. So all of a sudden there was dispensaries opening up everywhere. New production companies, new farms. Yeah. Oh, is that what Oklahoma is doing right now? Yeah, dude, it's going to be the same thing. It's just kind of like um, kill them all at God sort them out. Yeah, right. And then so and then the only one of the unfortunate things about that sort of approach, too, is because uh, like it's going to make it so all these different companies are going to be busting their ass and then corporate cannabis is going to come just rolling in and then just basically just kind of like take over. And it's going to be and it's already started to happen with certain dispensary yeah. chains here in Oregon. There's a company that bought up a bunch of dispensary chains and they're like monopolizing and they actually own all these different chains. It's fucking crazy. You hitting that joint is actually a good idea. I'm going to go ahead and smoke up what I got right now. What are you smoking on, buddy? Ooh. Okay. This is some Jungle Boys. This is some of their dosi dough. I was in LA for so I brought some of that back. And then when I was in Michigan, I got some stuff from a guy in Ann Arbor. Uh, information and Therapy. Uh, this is their Oreos and runs. Fucking shit, man. I tell you. Some of these Michigan growers, I put them up with those Cali guys. I'm telling you, dude, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's nice and fucking frosty. Yeah, uh, you know, Cali buds okay, <laughs> but Oregon weed has everybody peed. I'm sorry, like I mean, like we in, we invented hydroponic over here. <laughs> I have, it, it's been a few years. I want to actually go. I want to you know come back and do that tour again of uh, Oregon and Seattle. 
bro, you gotta, you gotta freaking come through. And then whenever you do, you and I will go over to the Khalifa social club. It's a really dope smoking lounge over here nearby my house. They have video game machines. They have pool tables. They have tables and couches and like places you can just hang out and smoke. They have giant screen TVs that they play freaking games on and shit. It's freaking, it's pretty dope. I'm going to be bust. Hell yeah, dude. I was going to bust open a moon rock and sprinkle a little bit on my bowl right here. Actually, I'm smoking on some, uh, it's called the eclipse from green. Yeah. From green dragon. It's some, it's pretty fucking fire and it broke up really nice for blunts. And that's usually my preferred way of smoking lately. Yeah. I stayed in downtown Portland and then I, I think I just kind of walked around, um, the one popular place, I think we talked about it last time. It's got the black logo, like with an X. Um, they got two or three shops. I can't think of their name for the life of me. Black logo uh, with an X. Not like the X isn't part of their logo. It's the way it's designed. Um, mm. Man... It's not It'll ringing any bells. Me. Yeah. Probably. So, so what about them? you? You checked them out when you were here. You said. Yeah, yeah, they were really, they were really good. I saw, I saw a lot of good places down there, but again, that was probably four years ago. So I don't know if some of those brands are still up and going. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe there's a lot of places that have like started and stopped, and then some places have been bought over and been taken over by like that company right. I was telling you about. And so there, um, there, there's just there's a lot of shifting around and stuff. Oregon's like that. finest. Oh, is it Oregon's finest? I know Oregon's finest. Is it a black logo like with gray lettering? Let me check right? real quick. I, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent familiar off the top of my head. I know the Something I know like I've that. been there, but I don't think I ever really paid attention to really what their logo. Yeah, looks I just like. That, that, I like that area. Then I had a friend who had a farm in Sandy, Oregon. Nice. Yeah. Is that right? Then he finally got rid of that. It never really developed. They did some light development work to it. We're supposed to do something with edibles back then. They were going to build the kitchen, but it didn't work out. And then he finally got rid of the farm and moved to Portugal. So it never really happened. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sandy is Sandy is a kind of a popping area. Yeah. It's probably Oregon's finest. That's it. That's it. That's the name. Oregon's finest. I just got the visual of it. It's like an aquatic logo. Right here? Yeah, it's aquatic kind of looking. Oregon's finest, right? There yeah. you go. Yeah, okay. I, I remember that. That's the one place I do remember is going there. Nice, nice. Hell yeah, dude. That's what's up. I've been to Oregon's finest. They're they're pretty awesome. The logo just didn't ring a bell off the top of my head because I used yeah, to... Yeah, because I, I said an X, so that made it think X. That's why. I... Yeah, I was thinking of maybe like letters that were crossed like this or something like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, but okay. That, that's what's up, man. That's what's up. We, we had at one point here in Oregon, we, were, um, we had our dispensaries actually actually outnumbered Starbucks at one point. We had so much fucking weed here and we were sitting on more than a two years uh, surplus of weed that if we would have yeah, just governor put, try to put in a bill to let it go across state lines to sell it to other states or something like that. Yeah. Too? Yeah. 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 Oh, that's already happening. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. Oregon is fucking putting weed all over the place. The only thing is, is it has to be a border connecting state. So right now we got weed in Washington, California and Nevada. 
And so we just can't freaking cross over to get through to Colorado because we have Idaho blocking us in that little chunk right there. And Idaho isn't legalized. So you can't cross Idaho state lines, but you can actually go to Nevada, California, and Washington as long as you're going through the the proper channels and stuff and they're sending weed all over the fucking place. It's pretty crazy because if we were to – they were saying when we had that surplus that if we were to have stopped – if we were to stop producing – Weed completely, no production, no growing, nothing. If, if all of Oregon had to decide to stop production completely, it would take us. It was like over two years to smoke it all. It was like two and a half years or some shit like that to to get through wow. all of the product we were sitting on, based just based upon state demands and growth and stuff like that. They're like, we're going to be sitting on this for about two and a half years. So it was more like they had to pass that law because there were also other states that were in a fucking drought. So Oregon has all this weed and then all these other states are fucking drowning because they can't get any product and they can't keep up with the demand. So has that alleviated the problem now? Is it kind of evened out? Yes. Yeah, definitely. And you're also seeing a lot of prices start to change, too, because uh, if you if you want like the really good, like cheap Oregon prices, I'm not going to lie. Sometimes you're going to not get the best weed like it is, you know, like it is based on shelves and stuff. Exactly. But there's also a handful of shops that even their discount shelf is still fucking some of like the top shelves and some other shops. So I like to look up for those places. And then they offer some right. really, yeah. they also usually have really amazing deals too. And also the, the dispos I go into, they know me very, very well. One of them, I literally have a friends and family discount. So I get 10% off every time I'm in there. So, I mean, I, I get, I get treated really well and stuff and I usually can find the best sort of prices and shit. And also a lot of them have like point systems, so for every amount of money you spend, you actually get points, and then each point is worth a dollar. So sometimes you can just rack those up, and the next thing you know, you have, like, fucking, you can take, like, 40% off your freaking order on top of the 10% off that you already have. And you can do some some real good shopping around. In Oregon, like I said, Cali weed is good, but it's kind of funny because Oregon you don't hear many Oregonians arguing about their weed being good because we just let the products do the talking. Like, it's always like Cali people that are like, oh, our weed's the best, our weed's the best, our weed's the best. And Oregon's just kind of like, all right, man, you want to hit this? (laughs) Yeah, it's just like, all right. And like, and for example, every time I hear the word mids, everybody's talking about mids. They're like, oh, they're smoking mids. That must be a Cali term because we don't say that here in Oregon because I don't think we even have mids over here. (laughs) Like, it's not even a term that we're even used to hearing. I've never even heard that term until I started jumping on Instagram. I've never heard anybody say, oh, mids is your, yeah, mids, your middle rung, your, you know? No, I get the, I get the, I get the, um, the etymology behind it, but also I'm just kind of right. like, that's not even something we say here because there is none. It's either garbage yeah, or it's I fire. <laughs> I, I feel, I feel you, bro. I know everybody's got their, everybody's got a coin, you know, make their coinage and what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everybody, everybody says that their state grows the best weed. So it's, 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 right. just, it's always a friendly little discussion to have. So I think Florida is the only one that says, yeah, we don't grow shit weed. Yeah. <laughs> so out of all the states that you've been traveling to and stuff, what state has your favorite product? Like what what state have you gone to? You're like, there's something about this weed over here. Uh, they were all good. I always talk about that. Every, every, every state's got good growers and good good quality cannabis. I've been fortunate enough to, you know, like I said, Alaska to Maine. I've, you know, and I've seen it and, and stood next to it and smoked it, and, you know, whatever. So it's kind of like, hmm. 
I mean, I always will go back and tell people about Frost Farms in Seattle and just have to have a heart in downtown Seattle. That was some of the frostiest cannabis I've seen since Amsterdam. Nice. Um, I, I thought cannabis, I thought Seattle had some killer. I thought, again, you know, you guys were down. Oregon was down with the quality. Seattle had it as well. Alaska did. You know, and, and Cali's good. It's just like anything. It's just like you said, if you're a local, you know to search, search through it. I always say uh, medical is for the true patient. Recreation was for the tourist. Mm, okay. Plain and simple. You know what I mean? If I go to California, I know where I can go um, to get. I like the dispensary experience. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and where I can get the best deal. Uh, I don't think paying $40 an eighth for, for Jungle Boys is a bad price. No. I've gotten I, I, I all that overpriced, you know, rapper weed and the Gary Payton and this and that. And to me, I don't think a lot of it is much better. Nope. I'm not going to pay $80 for an eighth. I mean, Illinois, I thought, had some trash weed for the prices. They were, for. I'll tell you, for what they had in my experience at the one dispensary uh, out in St. Charles. But yeah, man, I, I got to put those West Coast states together. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah. That's what's up. We got to keep them dubs up. That's what we do. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Hell yeah. That's fucking great. And you're, you, you tackled a really good point while you were talking, and I wanted to piggyback on that. The overpriced celebrity weed is something that is so, so annoying to me that you'll have these people popping up on these dispensaries saying like, hey, you know, it's just because you have a big fucking Instagram following and you used to do something that all of a sudden I need to pay like three times as much as I normally pay for my shit. I'm like, fuck you, man. Like, I'm not doing that. You know, or again, or you just go to like to a state like Illinois that has some of the highest tax. I paid for an eighth of mids that I couldn't see because that was the rule. It was like going to a bank, bro, behind the plastic. You just went on an iPad, you picked what you saw, and then you got your jar and that was it. And then it was kind of like, Okay, this is what I got. When I looked at it, it was eighty three dollars for an eight after tax and everything else. Damn, that's crazy. That's fucking- what yeah. what name was attached to it again? Oh, I don't remember because this was this was good. This was a year ago when I went to Chicago. I lived out in Michigan. I went to go visit my boys from that I've known for you know since I've been in junior high, and uh, he wanted to go to a dispensary. And he's fascinated by what we do in the industry and what I do, and I'm like, come on. I'll take you to a dispensary, dickhead. Let's go. <laughs> and uh, and I, we did, and he was just like, this is it. And I'm like, no, dude, this sucks. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, I, we got the weed, and I brought cannabis with me, and I'm like, no. Well, I mean, yeah, dude, it was trash. Terrible. For 80 bucks, terrible. Terrible. Oh, that's a bummer, dude. That is such a bummer. Yeah, there's that. that I hate it whenever, like I said, there, there's those freaking names that they put on that kind of shit. Like, and there's there's a few of them that, uh, like I guess, have been in the freaking shops that I'm like, I, I've gotten it because, hey, maybe I did, maybe I could trust it or something. And then I went home and smoked it. I'm like, what the fuck did I just pay so much? Like, I could have easily gotten like some Jungle Boys or some Dr. Jollies or something like that. I easily could have got something much, much, much better. I know what I trust when I travel, and I kind of stick with that. I don't, you know, venture off the path yeah. too far. I know, I know what works for me. Most and of us, just, 
most of us longtime can of sewers are the are the ones that usually do that. We just kind of have like a small little parameter that we'd like to stick with and don't really like to go too far outside that, whether it be farmer, strain, stuff like that. Eventually you're you know, you get to know your cannabinoid system very, very, very well. Yeah. Yeah, for uh, sure. I, I know. I'm, I'm very comfortable with uh pretty much those some those solid choices, but yeah, you know. Definitely. So I was curious, whenever you took that initial step from going from pastry chef to start uh, getting venturing into cannabis, how was it that you took that initial step? And like, how did you kind of get that process started? Because I have a friend of mine who runs a at home uh, cake business and makes pastries and baked goods and stuff like that. And she's considering uh, getting into the edible game. So I was considering like I was wondering, how would be the best way to transition into that? Well, the first thing I did was kind of do like a, a CBD business. I was trying to develop a credibility here in Florida and try to see if I could work with one of the license holders as a, a variant that was built into the legislation, kind of like a third-party manufacturer. Mm. So I did that I did that for a while. I built a couple of kitchens, worked for, with compliance, worked to be compliant because back then uh, the health department didn't know what CBD was, didn't acknowledge it until a lot of people got together and allowed it to be a business where they can put it on an application and charge a fee and still regulate. It was treated just like how Colorado treated um, THC back in the day. If you're making a chocolate bar, THC or distillate or full spectrum, whatever, all it is is additional components. Mm. You just treat it like such. The rules still apply as the same. So we had a great, we had a great, it was a great team of people in Florida who allowed that to happen. So I guess I got to say, what's your infrastructure and what is it you want to do? Obviously, you know, if you want to be in THC, you're either black market or you get a license. And if you know, if you get a license, you got to have a property mm-hmm. and if property is money. So, you know, and that's the basics for any state. Everything is getting the property and the license and then going from there. Okay, Nice. And so how did you start to uh, like approach your initial clients once you did have everything ready to rock? I've never approached a client. They've all approached me through social media. G status. That's what's up. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I put up a LinkedIn account when I moved to Michigan and then all of a sudden people started asking me, can you do edibles? Can you teach us to make edibles? We have this big, gummy machine we have this can we make gummies can you teach us how to make a chocolate bar and then then that's just how it grew and you know don't get me wrong uh, some people can't afford it um they feel you know they're a small business like a lot of delta eight companies like when when colorado said no to delta eight uh this company called me because they needed to know how to make the product because they were selling delta eight products that they were being supplied by like some old school manufacturer confectionery manufacturer it was using all this old equipment, 50 plus years old, they've been in the business probably over 80 years, one of those kind of confectionery companies. And uh, they called me, gave them pricing, and I said, no, nah, we're kind of a small company, don't know if we could afford that. Okay, whatever. So, you know, I, I, always, I always tell people this. We talk, I create a proposal, I send them a proposal, and then we have another conference, then we have another call. You either talk again and say yes, or we talk again and you say, no, I'm not interested. And that's it. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you for that, because there's a lot of people that, like I said, that can really use this sort of information from someone with your kind of expertise, because you've been in the game a long time and there's a lot of folks that want to step into it so they could really use that sort of knowledge. I appreciate you sharing that on the show, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. So how was um, so, I mean, you're going around doing lots of uh, networking, traveling around all the time and stuff like that, like you said, you've been doing are you finding that the face-to-face networking is like one of the best ways to kind of grow your personal brand? Is it, how is it compared to just doing social media and more stuff kind of locally? I got into social media to build a brand differently to be involved in the THC. I think LinkedIn is a more professional uh, social media platform that allows cannabis and um, there's a lot more of the professional people on that particular platform okay. in Canada as well. A lot of my clients came from from there. Um, Never would or, have thought that LinkedIn would or, be so or, effective. Or, or Instagram. I don't think anybody has reached out to me. Well, I got a friend in the industry, a fellow chef friend here in Florida, who who does something. So sometimes he's brought me in a deal. I've got you know a couple of guys in California. I consult with. Uh, culture global out of California with a few guys that are legacy growers Mm. and they do all the growing and I do all the edible parts. But if you saw the team on their website, they're like, you know, they've got like 50 years of freaking growing experience. That's dope. Hell yeah. So how was, uh, how was MJ BizCon, man? It's, it's grown. It's, it's, you know, it's becoming, um, more of a thing. Uh, a regular thing. You saw some companies that were there the year before COVID that weren't there this year, some newer companies. Um, I think the turnout was somewhat the same. I think there was a lot more events. At least I noticed a lot more hype, a lot more of the parties and the after parties and things like that and the smoke events and things like that. So I thought that was great to kind of sit around and see people. I mean, I think people just wanted to get out and do things, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And be able to get out and and socialize and be themselves. So I think, yeah, I think Vegas, that was it for everybody just to converge and just do something. Hell yes. Those, those events are a lot of fun. I wanted to make it to MJ BizCon, but it was a little pricey for me. Like, uh, hippie speed balls. Unless you go, unless you get the early ticket, that's like maybe under $200. But if you wait and you don't get it, like within that time, you know, yeah, right. And then it's hotel and airfare and everything mm-hmm. else. So, yeah, the trip could be two or three grand. Yeah. that's And that's, you know, Hippie Speedball is a pirate radio. So we ball it on a budget, you know. It's like right. <laughs> there's, there's not much doing this, you know, uh, not much money coming out of this. That's for damn sure. And those those events, though, they're so much fun, especially in Las Vegas, because did you get to meet the high bud tenders when you were there? Did you stop by? Did you were you able to see them at all? Meet them? I don't think so. Oh, okay. No. Oh, dude. Shout out to J- freaking Jarrell and Rocky. They're amazing. I love the high bud tenders. I'm going to be doing some more work with them whenever I get back down to Vegas because they're like uh, Vegas is just so much fun for cannabis stuff. I'm actually thinking about relocating to um, maybe like uh, northern Nevada, like the Tahoe region. I was thinking about okay. I was thinking about relocating over there because um, we just kind of wanted a change of scenery and stuff. And it's also there's a lot more opportunity that's kind of down in the Vegas area. And there's a lot more stuff that I could possibly do with the podcast, with my career in cannabis, with everything that I want to accomplish. It seems like that would be a good spot to be because 
it's very similar to the landscape of like Oregon because there's lots of forests, there's lots of mountains areas and stuff like that. Right. And then it's, but it's only like a seven hour drive to Las Vegas. So like, you know, we can get there super, super easy. And it's also about a seven, eight hour drive to Portland. So it's right in like a perfect little middle ground area. So that's why, okay, that's cool. yeah, it's like, it's like right in that perfect area. And also they have those, um, I'm just recently learning about it. The uh, JSX flights. Have you ever, you know, that company JSX? I think it's called JSX. They're, um, they're basically a, like a semi private jet charter company. And right. they only do like certain cities. Like there's one where you can take from Reno Tahoe area to Las Vegas. There are like, also there's one that goes to LA. There's a couple that go like down in spots in Texas and they're slowly expanding how many they have. But they're um, they have like these really quick kind of like cheaper flights, and it's basically like a semi private jet, and you have like lots of leg room, and it's like a big area, and they have like a like a, the um, your luggage and shit comes as like a part of your ticket. I think you can have two carry on bags per ticket, and so it's 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 pretty sweet. So if anybody wants a little bit of a more um, more spacious flight experience, I definitely recommend checking them out. And that Tahoe region okay. has those those flights that can connect, and they're like I said, not too badly priced. And um, uh, are are you planning on doing any more events in Las Vegas? Are you going to go to the G four Live Expo? Or are you going to go to the Bud Tender Awards thing? No, I'm going to. Any event I'm going to do only is 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 MJ BizCon. Um, I just got off the phone with the organizers for Green Street in LA. Mm. Uh, Street is Green Street is Gary V. And a bunch of people in Los Angeles, the big a big building as well in downtown LA, multi five level, multi unit for like cannabis brands, kind of like a mall of cannabis. They're doing a two day event in May. I think I'm going to sponsor that. And they also are the organizers of Hall of Flowers. Oh shit! Hell yeah, that's amazing. That dude, that sounds really cool. Especially you got me at you sold me at Gary V. That's amazing. I love Gary V. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you the I'll send you the deck if you want to see it. If you guys want to come, I go would to love to go to that. I was it, just going to say in May. it's in May, so there's plenty of time to plan and what have you. For sure, definitely, and that'll be perfect because I'm also planning on going to Vegas in May as well. So like, okay. that'll be perfect. Maybe do like a, just a little hippie speedball road trip, which is something I wanted to get done anyway. <laughs> Right, right, right. Sure. One one of the things I'm doing right now is uh, I've been really um, I want to do a lot more traveling this next year, and uh, one of the things I want to do is I want to go down to uh, Las Vegas area in like uh, I was I aiming for like April because I've been really hitting the gym like every day, like getting up early in the morning. I've been working out. I've been just working on getting in good shape and everything. And what I want to do is I want to go down to Las Vegas. And I want to train in like boxing for like just an entire week, just do like an okay, intensive there. week oh. of just boxing training, get up early in the morning, go for runs, go train twice a day, do do a little bit of weight training and then eat a shitload of food and then go to bed and then just wake up in the morning and do it all over again. I feel like that would be such an amazing experience. Yeah, sure. Why not? That'd be cool. I think it would be fucking dope. So uh, since we're on the subject of cannabis and everything, one of the uh, things, uh, obviously, we talked about it last time whenever you were uh, we were attempting to do this episode. But now that we're going to bust it out again, I want to get your first experience with cannabis. So let's tell people about the first time you ever got high, man. It, well, it didn't really happen the first time. You really didn't know until like your second or third time. Um, I think the first time we had a friend joking with us and tried to sell us oregano 
Oh, what a dick. (laughs) Yeah, it was one of those trying to tie other things. This was like maybe junior high, freshman year high school. You know, you don't know. You never heard of it, seen it. Um, But then obviously, I think back then the term stoner and then the jocks, Mm. right? You had your stoners, you had your jocks. So obviously you went to the stoner to get your weed, what have you. And then after you get to meet people and your friends that smoked it, then you developed... You know, your plug, well, now it's called a plug, but back then you just called them your dealer. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. right. <laughs> and, back, and back then we had beepers, you know, and, every, and people wore beepers, and you just touch, touch tone phones, That's and rubbery, you know, and put in the phone, and you beep somebody, and they showed up, and you got an eighth for $15 and a quarter for 30 Um, And yeah, it, it, you know what? I, I can't tell you. You know then what it, it how it benefits me now. I'm not going to lie. I said I thought it was benefit then. I just knew I liked it. Yeah. Um, I did. I, I, I've experimented with most narcotics, really, uh, or drugs, I guess to say. But um, cannabis has just always been the thing for me. I never got into alcohol or anything else. Um, I just like cannabis, and that's it. I, I a, a, a six pack of beer could sit in my fridge for months. Oh, really? Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, yeah, cannabis is really the only thing that I uh, probably have had basically, I don't know, probably steady, honestly, 20 years. Nice. Hell Ooh. yeah. That's dope, man. Have you experienced any sort of lung problems throughout the 20 years that you've been smoking? I traveled to, I had bronchitis when I traveled to Europe during the winter. So I'm a little irritable for bronchitis. But I live in Florida. I get an inhaler. It seems like somebody thought that the air changes the density of the air. So it seems like seasonally maybe I got to hit the inhaler every once in a while. But no, because I've noticed too, like if I exercise, that just increases my lung capacity. Yeah, well, yeah there you go. Hell yeah, dude. You know what, you know what I mean? So I I'm okay with that. I'm, I only really smoke a one hitter, maybe joints here and there, but I don't do bong. I probably couldn't even do a bong. Um, but yeah, I, I just know what works for me, and that's kind of it. I don't I don't smoke blunts um, and do that. I used to be in cigars maybe 10, 15 years ago. So no, it's just I'm pretty good with all of that. Hell yeah. That's awesome, man. That's, that's good that you never really got super into other things. Cause it's always a bummer whenever you have someone that you're smoking with and then they always, and then they end up going down a path of different ways and shit. And you're just like, Oh man, <laughs> like that's a bummer. Right. Uh, I was always, I'm, I've always been the same way. I'm really, I, I mean, I like, I like booze. I like to drink every once in a while, but I like, uh, I'm always like a no pills, no powders kind of guy. Like it's, right. it's never, right. exactly. never, never, ever been my thing. I've, I tried coke a couple times and I really just did not like it the first time I didn't really get much off of it because me and my friend we didn't take very much but then the second time I took it I definitely felt that and I did not like the way it made me feel because I'm a person who already has a ton of energy anyway and I didn't like how uppity that shit made me feel that was not my sort of feeling at all cannabis brings me like really level at a good homeostasis where I like to be I need to take a hit myself, actually. I haven't really been hitting my pipe very much. I got uh, hooked up with some moon rocks from a uh, a kind of like a low-key, like a smooth kind of like sponsor for the show. They've sponsored a couple episodes. The names are Gabos Goodies. 
and they're right. uh, yeah, kind of a coming up cannabis company. And I really want to help put them on the map because they're supplying some dank, dank products, whatever they freaking uh, hook up the show. Yeah, I, I tried uh, somebody's Moon Rocks in Michigan. I really liked them, but um, I, I didn't want to. Um, what was the word? I didn't want to mess up my tolerance smoking freaking shit covered in disty and, and key. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, my tolerance is through the fucking roof, man. Like, I have to eat such strong edibles. That's another reason why I asked, like, how you can determine how many milligrams you're actually having. Because I have to fucking eat such strong edibles in order to feel them. Yeah, I found that um, the case to be from people who dab. Um, their tolerance when it comes to edibles seems to be more. Uh, I, I was experimenting making edibles the old school way with the butter for a while. And people who dab really didn't get the effects off of edibles with butter. Um, if I started making edibles with wax or um, a distillate or a crude, um, you know, then they, they felt like, okay, yeah, now I felt this. Yeah, it, it does seem to be like I've noticed that because my friend, he used to make edibles and he was like telling me the difference between using um, between using a butter and then using a like oil instead. And then he was talking about the difference in potency and everything. And he used to make some really strong ones. That's when I learned that apparently uh, orange and citrus flavored is the best way to mask the actual taste of the cannabis. <laughs> That's that's yeah. what I noticed. All, all this, all this flavor compounds and oranges. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so I was curious, what is the reason why uh, edibles give you a different high as as opposed to smoking flour or dabbing or anything like that? What what is it about edibles and concentrates that just they, like I know they break down in your liver and they have a different way of actually breaking down. So do you know anything more about that? Yes, because it's not going because like you say you're ingesting through you're ingesting orally and then being processed by, you know through your liver at some point you have an enzyme called the hydrox 11 quite correct and that enzyme is what increases the potency not to say the potency it it, 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 it it magnifies the strength so and this is why people have a different effect with edibles. Okay. And that is that is the um, because of that particular way when you it's when you smoke, you know, it, there's a, a longer path that translates differently. But when you eat, and because of that conversion. It magnifies it, and that's usually why it comes on later, but then it can stay for a significant period of time. But a way to downgrade that is also is um, <laughs> continue to eat and eat sugar, some orange juice, things like that, to kind of like push your way through and what have you. Sometimes you just have to ride out the wave if you eat eaten too much. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I've I've had to ride out the wave before. Yeah, I mean, I know people say make you know put pepper in a thing of hot water and drink it and do all that or wash out your mouth or whatever. Okay, you can try it all, but once you eat it and it's going through your liver and it's going through the process, it's going through the process. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just like buckle in, buddy, because you're not going right. anywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's it's, crazy. It's like, 
you know, like when you and I smoke right now, we, we can feel the effects and we can handle the effects. But, but we have to know our dosage. So, like, I experiment, like, the two and a half, the five milligram little um, Kiva bites. And I know if I just want to pop a couple of those first thing in the morning, I know, okay, wow, okay, cool. And it's hitting me just at a right peak time where it's balancing out with smoking. And it's, like, you know, like a perfect kind of onset. For me, like, 10 to 15, 10, oh, anything close to 15, mm, I don't need more than that. Okay. <coughs> Okay. You know, yeah, that's that. That's also some really handy information for people to know. And, too. And, and, and I have known that I started to really experiment with dosing first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, and just taking a small micro dose, and then seeing how that you know hits me and you know, giving hitting me probably within an hour or so, and lasting maybe two to three to four hours. Okay. Depending. And how many milligrams? You know, and how many milligrams is that that you would two take? And a half, two and a half to five. Really? Oh, just wow. kind of, just so it's a nice onset, and it's such a something in the background, not something that's making me sit on my couch and eat freaking Lay's potato chips. <laughs> yeah, which is now, a time and I, place I, for that. Now, if I took fifteen to twenty, then yeah, then I'm sitting on the couch and I'm ordering Domino's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, fucking pizza sounds so good. I haven't had pizza in <laughs> so long. And then you know, and then again too, it's also the the. the the accuracy and the quality of the edible. I've had Colorado edibles that say 100 milligrams, and I never, I, I didn't feel it. And then I've had some where my face tingles. I feel it in my face, like my right here in my face here, down at here, or a little numbing and things like that, you know, or the real big body high, you know. So you know, and it just all, it just all depends. Mm-hmm. I like those. I like whenever, like you said, um, for those listening, like that stony feeling when you can feel it just pulling in, like in your like your cheekbones, like right when yeah. you're like, yeah, I love, I love I've that stony before. feeling. That's always great. And then it's weird how sometimes whenever you eat a really strong edible, it almost has kind of like a mushroom kind of body high feel. Like it almost feels like you're like when you're have that body high when you're on mushrooms. Like a really nice strong edible can have a really really similar kind of feeling in my experience. Yeah, I mean, again, it's tolerance and what have you. I'm just a smoker. But, yeah, I know for me, I think if I ate 100 milligrams at once, yeah, it wouldn't really be good for me. Yeah. See, I could could definitely – I can eat 100 milligrams no problem and not really hardly feel anything. It's really strange. Yeah, I can, I can, like, I mean, seriously, like, they're, cause they only sell them in, uh, 50 milligram packs here in Oregon. Like, so they can, that's, that's the max they can have per package is 50 milligrams. And I've gotten two, frick, two, three, like, packages and ate literally every single one of them in their entirety and not felt a damn thing. Understood. Yeah. And then, but I've also had times where I've eaten ones that are like, you know, between 500 and a thousand where I've like almost like where I've hardly felt anything. And then I've eaten some that were like 500 that fucked me up. So it, I, I, I hate how like it can vary so much. That's why I want to learn how to make my own because that way I know exactly like how much or at least a good estimate based on the math that we were doing earlier, which is so awesome because the way you broke that down is so, it makes it so uh less complicated than it actually really is right and if you have access to somebody who sells um the syringe or you can buy the oil and you can just make your own and use that as a deposit have a deposit into your mix you're yeah that that's that's the easiest part 
Hell yes. I really enjoyed hanging out and talking to you, man. I can't wait for you to come through Oregon, and then that way we can toke up together. Like I said, we'll go kick it over at the Khalifa Social Lounge, and we'll shoot some pool and freaking smoke up. Yep, sounds good to me. Hell yeah, dude. So before we sign off, let's let everybody know where they can find you on social media and anywhere they could possibly reach you, maybe if they have any questions or maybe they want to get consulted themselves. Underscore just dot chocolate is my Instagram. My website is www.thconfections.com and my Instagram for TH Confections uh, as well at TH Confections for Instagram. Great fucking title. (laughs) Great title, TH Confections. I love that so much. that's amazing well dude thank you again i'll put all those links for all every any way that people can reach you down in the description for the episode that way it's just click away and thank you for sharing your knowledge man i really really appreciate it i can't wait to get you back on the show and we'll we'll catch up and then you know see where things have taken us from there bud all right sounds good man take care i appreciate you yeah thanks a lot man and thank you everybody for tuning into the hippie speedball podcast it is joe your host with the most joe and i will see you guys next time peace 